Today's Center Reefs Nation podcast was brought to you by Manscaped. Head to manscaped.com and use the promo code capital C, capital L, Nation, and to receive 20% off plus free delivery on all their products. Welcome to the latest podcast of Senators Nation. This is Pat LaRusso. I'll soon be joined by my two co-hosts, Lucas Ugenti and Anthony Sino, where we'll look at where the Toronto Blues stack up against their Canadian rivals and much, much more. Here we are for the latest podcast of Sensation. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Lucas Ugenti and Anthony Sino. How's it going, gentlemen? How's it going? Uh, hey, Pat. Hey, Lucas. Uh, everything's going well here. Um, every, just, again, nothing new, really, especially with hockey season not around. It's really weird not having hockey uh, basically in the October-November turn. And... Uh, so I'm just turning to other sports, football, Champions League, and uh, yeah, just uh, now that Halloween's done, got to get into that uh, holiday season spirit now. Yeah, yeah. Christmas time now. November it's first, it's Christmas. Christmas. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah. Basically, Costco and Walmart. I already saw some sponsored ads of like Christmas stuff. It's like they wait; they're just waiting for that calendar to turn. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the time of the year, you know. Yeah, but we do have some hockey news to talk about, which is good. We do, we do. So last week, Craig Button released his top seven Canadian teams as we head into next season. Um, I'll read out the list, gentlemen, and we'll kind of you know provide our thoughts and kind of our own list. Um, so as of Craig Button's list, uh, he mentioned the Ottawa Senators would be the seventh best Canadian team, the Edmonton Oilers as the sixth best, um, slightly up outdone by the Vancouver Canucks, um, then the Maple Leafs, then the Winnipeg Jets, Calgary Flames, and number one Canadian team is the Montreal Canadiens. Um, much has been spoken about this, and, and a lot of it, his opinion, um, based on his audio and, and some of the other stuff that I've written, was really based on their performance against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the bubble. Um, but I just I find that recency bias really causes a lot of people to kind of let go of ob- objectivity. Um, but I would like to get uh, your gentlemen's just high-level thoughts first, and then we'll go into our individual lists after. Yeah, so um, I would say the first things first uh, to keep in mind when when TSN or Sportsnet, uh, when they make these lists, is it's, it's to garner attention, right? Like we talk about all the time with what mainstream media is doing, is they're just trying to, they're trying to, Throw a uh, throw a bone or uh, the proverbial bone into the into the pile of dogs, and then just watch them fight over it, basically. Uh, and in this case, we're the dogs, and we're gonna and we get taught we talk about it, and we get upset about it, and we get riled up about, it, especially in Toronto when Craig comes out and says that uh, Montreal is the best Canadian team. Um, I disagree with it, um, especially like I. I 
we'll get into the the to our individual rankings uh, later and on in the podcast. But um, I really think that the only thing that I can agree with is that the Ottawa Senators are seventh. It, that yeah. would be the closest for me. How about you, Luke? What do you think? Um, yeah, obviously, this was rather interesting. Um, it's probably nowhere close to what I would have had, um, what, what I think a few people would have had. Um, I think, Anthony, you're right in the sense where, you know, he's just going to kind of throw a take out there just to stir the pot and, you know, get people's attention. But there comes a point where it kind of becomes like silly, I guess. Um, and I don't want to dismiss his opinion. Obviously, he's, <laughs> he's well-renowned and, you know, he knows what he's talking about, you know, however crazy his takes are. But I just – I don't – I don't get the Montreal Canadiens at one. Um, I understand that, you know, they, they went relatively far and I put down air quotations um, in the bubble. I guess in their eyes, it was a successful postseason. You know, they won around. It is what it is. Um, but I guess you also have to look at who they actually beat. And I don't think the Pittsburgh Penguins are, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins who won the cup two years ago, by any means, um, three years ago, two years, three ago, years ago, ago, 2017. Twenty seven was the last year they won. They right. won back it's, it's a completely different roster. I, it, I just think that was just such a far fetched um, analysis. And then, and uh, again, we're gonna talk about it when we, you know, talk about our actual rankings and what we think. But I don't know. You you read these things and you look at uh, Mike Johnson's list and it looks a lot more accurate. And you're like, okay, so you know they're not gonna have the same list. That's not that's not the greatest idea when you're trying to. St- no, I don't want to say cause controversy, but you know, have a debate at the very least. Um, you're not going to shoot out two of the exact same list and try and argue that because you can't. So I don't know. I mean, it, it is what it is. There's, there's going to be there's going to be some people who don't like it, some people who do like it. I just think if he if he was able to list legitimate points as to why he thinks the Canadians are ahead of the Flames and the Leafs more specifically, I think it would be a little bit more palatable and it's something that you can kind of understand. But his reasonings were just. We're just funny. They were just funny to me. Well, and, and well it's, it's the hot. They're the hot team, right? Like Montreal goes out and they yeah, sign. Recency they, they, yeah, recency bias. Yeah, it's a recency bias. By hot, I mean like they made acquisitions that that um how do I say this? Like that old school uh, media pundits like, right? Like Love they go out and they go out and make a, a trade fifth round pick. Uh, for the rights to Joel Edmondson, and they go sign him for like four years, I believe it was. They go sign, um, they trade Max Domi for Josh Anderson, who had, who at one point, I think maybe two years ago, had a fantastic season. People were yeah. crowning him the, the, the heir apparent to Tom Wilson, right? And then last year, I believe he had one goal in the NHL, played like 26 games, he had four points, and it was a disaster for him, right? So they yeah. and they they get him for seven years at, at five by five or five point five AAV. They go out and sign to Foley four point two five for four years, right? So they make all these moves, and then now a guy like Button says, "Wow, they had they used up that cap space that everyone was wondering when they were going to use it, and now they take on they they're they're coming off a um a." Yeah, five game series win yeah. against the Penguins, and they and they took Philly to six games, right? So it is it's recency bias, but at, at the same time, you could very well make the argument that they didn't get Philly's best at all in that series, um, and that that series probably should have ended a lot quicker if it wasn't for Carey Price. Now I get it; like the goalie is 
part of the team. So you can't um, you can't uh, discount that, right? I I do think that Carey Price is the second best goalie in Canada, maybe the third, um, behind Connor Hellebuck and Jacob Markstrom. I would say. So like they they definitely have some good goaltending and the acquisition of Jake Allen um, should lessen the load of Carey Price uh, in what we expect to be like a a very condensed schedule right with the uh, um, seeing the that the league is going to probably start uh, in early 2021 so they're going to have to squeeze in a, a decent amount of games in a very short little time right they want to end. Uh, this 2021 season by the Summer Olympics in July. So I don't think we're going to be getting summer hockey like we like we saw this past summer. So I think a team like Montreal gets a guy like Jake Allen as well to to help lessen the load off their star goalie. So it's just very interesting um, to say the least. Um, But yeah, I'd like to hear your guys opinions on what you what you also think of Montreal. But so we actually have, want to get into the rankings. I don't know, Pat. You. Uh, so yeah. Me... So I, I guess before we even go into the rankings, I just I want to make one final comment. And this observation actually came to me last week. Um, I look at the two major sports media conglomerates. One being Bell, one being Rogers. Um, each are part owners of the Leafs, and I'm almost wondering if the content that we're getting is to not appear as being homers and 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 expressing homerism. So. There's just an extra level of critique that is being done on the Leafs, whereas the other teams will get more likely to get the benefit of the doubt. And as much as I liked what Montreal did in the summer, I think they did a great job. I thought they drafted well. Um, I like a lot of their pickups. It just... But there's still a team that's lacking a number one center, a true number one center. They're, you know, they're still... You know, they're still dependent on an aging... You know, um, defenseman and, and Weber on the back end, and Carey Price, you just never know. Like his injury history, and and you know, all we ever hear about is the Leafs and their injury history and all this other stuff. But Carey Price, his groin in a condensed season will really be tested. Um, we know that he's had issues with it in the past. We know that's taken a, taken him out of multiple games and for good chunks of seasons in the past. So, you know, as much as they, they sound like they've done a lot, I'm, you know, I'm still looking at the goaltending. Like you said, Anthony, I think that's going to be a, cri- a critical uh, point for them because they didn't score a lot of goals last year. So they better be able to defend it and they better be able to stop them. Because if not, it's not going to be a fun season for them. Absolutely, right? Like, the, the, this is how I see Montreal. And, and, th- all, and you guys know me, right? Like, I, I'm not 100% invested in the analytics in terms of like making that be the 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 brain i would say of all hockey uh takes or or um just basically i i don't think that analytics tells all the story because there has to be some type of some some type of the proverbial eye test that that has to be taken into play here but montreal by all accounts uh from an analytics perspective they uh they dominate on in terms of shot uh, shooting metrics, basically, right? So they're they're Corsi four, right? They have they have uh, their expected goals uh, percentage. They they rank very highly in in those areas, and um, and I think t- uh, kind of merging the the eye test and the analytics together, 
a team, someone might say, wow, like, look at Montreal. Like, they're just bound to break out. They have they're they always finish high, uh, high, up high in the league in uh, expected goals, Corsi four percentage, all these things, um, but they're just not scoring, right? So statistically, people say, well, the numbers will catch up, right? Regre- we hear this term a lot: regression to the mean. Um, yeah. But what people aren't considering is that they they lack the star power. To, to finish these these high quality chances that or, or this this high volume of chances that they're getting right so it doesn't matter how how good you uh, how good you are at getting shots on net and keeping shots away from your net you have to be able to finish your chances and that's what Montreal's um, Achilles heel has been for a very long time now like I actually can't even remember like I, I would get. I think it's Saku Koivu. Like when's the when's the last time you, like a star centerman has played for the Montreal Canadiens? I, I, my brain might be not remembering, but it, 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 to me, it goes that far back. And Montreal has gone a long time with trying to lure these free agents. We know they tried to pursue Taveras, and Leafs fans like to dunk on them, uh, dunk on Habs fans for not even getting a meeting with them. We know that they were interested in Duchesne, right? They tried to make Alex Galchenyuk a center, didn't work. Tried to make Max Domi a center, did like worked last year, didn't work this year. Uh, so, you know what? Like, I th- I know we kind of spent all this time now just going delving into Montreal. I know we said we saved those uh, for later, <laughs> but <laughs> like to me, it just it, I still think they need to see more of a step from a guy like Nick Suzuki and. And be hey, he needs to become that 70, 80, 85 point player, basically. And yeah. if he can, if he can become to that, then I would say, wow, like, okay, there's their guy. That's the guy that can lead them. And they do have a deep prospect pool. I will give them that. They have drafted well for, for quite some time now. The only thing is, is that are the timelines going to match of these prospects that they've been acquiring? And they're older vet- veterans of Weber and Price who are signed to big money and still on term. And they want to win now. They just signed Jeff Petrie too, Brendan Gallagher. Like the, They do have a lot of young guys, but people forget how old their their veteran core is. So, yeah. so it's going to be interesting how they maneuver basically what their, what their game plan is. Like yeah. I'd assume they're in win now, but at the same time, like, you're only going as far as Carey Price has taken you. So how yeah. how many years has he given you left? You know what I mean. No, that, no that's true. So that now that kind of is a nice transition uh, to our rankings. Uh, so Lucas, do you want to go first with your top seven? Yeah, sure. I could do that. Um, so my like, I, I kind of found it found it ironic after reading the two the two lists, Mike Johnson and uh, Craig Buttons. Um, and just in terms of, you know, how different they were. But I guess when I was trying to make my list, I was actually looking at it. And, I mean, I might be a little bit of a more harsh judge than uh, than some other people would be. But I think a lot of these teams can actually, you know, interchange in their position. Uh, obviously, depending on, you know, which players take a step forward and which players actually show out this year. Um, but if I had to rank it, and I think, I think I'm most comfortable with this, with this rankings. Um, so from, I guess, technically worst to best, so seventh to first. Um, I had Ottawa at seven. Um, 
And I struggled with that one because I actually don't hate where the Senators are trending. Um, and obviously, I guess this, this list would be technically, you know, for next season. Um, but I kind of like Ottawa. I like DJ Smith. I, I like the way they play in general. I like, I like the, you know, the injection of youth into the lineup. They finally got a goalie. Not that Craig Anderson wasn't good. He was a good goalie. But I, I just hope that Matt Murray could be a little bit better. Um, they made a couple of decent signings. It just looks like things are going to be okay in Ottawa. Um, I don't think it's going to be as bad as last year. And I think if they can, you know, buy in again, and uh, it seems like they did last year under DJ Smith, they should be okay. Um, so this is where I got a little, a little stuck because I absolutely cannot stand the Winnipeg Jets roster. Top to bottom. Don't like it. Don't like it whatsoever. Mm. And I was considering putting them last, and I think that might be considered a crazy hot take. But then when you actually look at it, I don't know if it's as crazy as, as you know, it might seem at first. They have a lot of old guys on that roster. Sorry, on that forward roster, I should I should say at least. They're relying on Paul Stasi to be their second line center. I think I think that's what I've heard. That that's that's the gist. Yeah. I don't love that. I don't love that by any means. They can't lock down their technically their number. I think he was number two line. He went second overall. They can't lock this guy down. They don't know if they even want him anymore. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it's a it's it's a mess in in uh, Winnipeg right now. Other than Morrissey, they have a bunch of eight. Like you can't tell me that the defensive uh, pairings in Winnipeg is 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 good. Dylan DeMello, like, yeah, like, I, I assume he's going to be okay. But after that, I don't even know who some of these guys are. So you're looking at this like, okay, so they obviously don't have D. They might have one of the worst D pairing in, in Canada. So you're looking at this roster and you're like, how can they be ranked so high? Like, they, they were they were trending downwards last year. And it, I, to me, I just think it's going to continue going that way. So I would have had the Winnipeg Jets at six. Um, this is also where it gets a little tricky. And this is where I'm talking about, about uh, intermingling there, intertwining there. I had Vancouver at five, but that also could be Edmonton at five and Vancouver switched. And the reason why I ended up going with Vancouver at five is purely, purely Connor McDavid factor. I think anytime you have a team that has Connor McDavid on it, you just have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I also don't love Vancouver. I don't like their roster. I like their, I like their, their top three, obviously. Um, but after that, it gets a little wonky for me. If JT Miller can perform the exact same way he performed last year, they should be okay. Um, other than that, I think losing Markstrom was actually massive. I know they brought in Holpe, but there was a reason why Washington didn't want to retain Holpe. Not that he's going to be any worse than he was last year, but I just think Markstrom was such a big part in why they did so well. If they don't get that goaltending again, it, it might might be a little bit troublesome in, in Vancouver. Um which goes to show why I had Calgary, I mean, uh, Edmonton just ahead of them. I just like the roster a little bit better. Um, Connor McDavid factor, honestly, as simple as that. Um, I like what they did in the offseason. I don't think that the um, Tyson Berry acquisition is, you know, going to make them that much better. But it, on the third line, it's really not that bad. And if he comes in on power play two, I assume that Darnell Nurse has power play one locked up. I think we'll be okay there too. I, and, realistically like their goalie situation is a little weird in Edmonton as well but they've made do thus far um I, I hope that Miko Koskinen and and Mike Smith could be the answer again um which after that leaves us with three more teams and I had the Montreal Canadiens uh go out what would that be that would be four that would be three at three, three. um at the Montreal Canadiens um contrary to what you guys think I actually don't hate the way they're they're creating the roster. And I think Anthony touched on it. There's just no superstars that are willing to go to Montreal. Um, so they have to kind of make do with, with you know, the hands they're dealt. 
And I think the reason why they overpaid, and I'm going to put overpaid in quotations, again, he could well be worth the money. The reason why they overpaid Josh Anderson is because they legitimately had to, to keep him. Um, obviously, the Max Domi experiment didn't work out. So I can see why they wanted to bring in Josh Anderson, you know, a new team, see what happens. Hopefully he brings some type of juice to that top top three. I assume he'd be on maybe top six. Um, I do really like the acquisition of Tyler Toffoli. Um, and I like their defense. I, I truthfully do like Montreal's defense a lot. They got big. They, they're tough, tough as nails. And you're like Anthony said, you're going to be re- relying on that two goalie system, which again, I kind of like. I mean, Carey Price, yeah, he regressed, but he also plays a lot of hockey games. So I know Anthony mentioned this. If you're going to eliminate even a quarter of the games that he had to play. I can't see why Jake Allen can't step in there and, and win Montreal a bunch of games. Um, I, I really like Suzuki. I'm not, not too big on Kokin Yemi, uh, but if Suzuki takes a step, I think that's a very, very competitive roster. Um, well, well more competitive than last year, which is ironic because they beat the Pens. So imagine what this roster would do to the Pens um, of last year. But yeah, I, I don't hate the Montreal Canadiens roster at all, which is why I would have them at three. And then I had the Calgary Flames at two. Um, I also like the Flames roster. Um, their top six is good. It peters out a little bit after that, but I think their defense is also really strong. Um, I know they brought in Chris Tanev a little late. He's 30. You know, he's, he's kind of rounding roundabout way at exiting his prime. Um, but when you have Giordano and Hannafin as your top two, I, I think you'll be okay. Uh, Rasmus Anderson's a great NHL defenseman. He's only 24 years old. Um, I think their their top four at least are very 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 good, and the biggest reason why I like Calgary so much is because they finally have a goalie in Jacob Markstrom. Um, that was always their Achilles Achilles heel. Like they legitimately could not win games because of their goaltending, um, and I think this just gives them that opportunity. And then obviously the Leafs, and I think the Leafs kind of speak for themselves. I don't think we need to really talk about Toronto as much. We all know their roster and um, you know the skill that goes with it. And I think Toronto just genuinely improved in the offseason. And I, I find it ironic that, you know, Greg Button didn't have them at number one. Uh, but, yeah, that, that would be my list. Now to you, Anthony. All right. So, um, similar to Lucas, I got Ottawa at seven. Um, and to, uh, to reiterate what Lucas said, I think Ottawa is, is coming. Like, they are uh, – they're, they're quietly – um, maneuvering some uh, some cap space, uh, and they're kind of freeing that up to hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully for Ottawa Senators fans, that um, Eugene Melnick is going to open up his bank book uh, and, and start and pay these high end prospects that they have acquired through the draft, through tremendous drafting, I might add, um, yeah, really. and keep and keep this core together. Like Ottawa, to me is just they're they're a fantastic they have a fantastic outlook in in th- let's say 4 to 5 years um where you're going to be looking at this team and could very and if they are able to keep these guys right this is assuming they're able to keep these guys you, you could re- be very well looking at how we look at the um how we look at the Tampa Bay Lightning right now right insanely homegrown talent drafted well uh if they can make some good trades they uh i i believe they could do so if tim stutzel can can reach that high-end potential that everyone has touted him as uh or touted that he has then like the sky is the limit for this team down the line but 
like if we're, we're again this this list is based off the upcoming season and and I just think again Ottawa's going to struggle to keep goals uh, uh keep goals uh, uh off the sheet for them um I think the Matt Murray acquisition um was okay to do because it was such it was it was a cheap acquisition price but I think was it 6.25 for four or five years guys I, I think it was four um and to me that just is too much given Murray's recent uh resume uh ever since he won this, those two Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh it's kind of been a downhill decline for him which is very weird because there was at one point people were saying this is Canada's next goalie for all our, the Olympic teams and stuff like that. So, and now he's not even going to get a sniff. So, so that's just something to keep in mind. But again, like Ottawa had one of the best AHL teams last season. They drafted, uh, I'll say decently well this year. They had a lot of picks. I didn't like the Sanderson pick at five, um, but I did like the the Stutzel pick at three. Um, I personally like Lucas Raymond, who Detroit got. So I don't know. They could, either way, they they got a lot of volume picks, and, and a, they're gonna hit on some of those dart throws. So you just like in terms of sheer volume of picks that they made, they they are gonna get some some high end and uh, middle pack roster players from this 2020 draft. So. Again, right? Like the process is great for them right now. Ottawa is doing all the right things that a rebuilding team should do. Um, it's just a matter of when they get to that point when it's time to keep these young kids around, and these young kids are going to want some money off of their ELCs. Brady Kachuk's, I believe, can sign right now. Like he could sign his extension right now. Um, so, like, are you gonna are you gonna give that kid what he's worth, right? They gave Shabbat eight by eight. So again, like that's some promise. That's a promising sign. But let's just, for Ottawa's sake, they should be hoping to, to just keep developing this talent. Like they, they, they acquired all these players through the draft. Now it's time to develop them and and make sure that they're able to play for your roster down the line. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I'll move on to number six. And for me, it was a very tough. Uh, debate between Vancouver and Winnipeg. So, guys, basically my process was I tried to rank um, the forward cores of all seven teams, tried to rank the defensive cores of all seven teams, tried to rank the goaltending of all seven teams. Um, for me, the I think that Winnipeg has the best goalie in Canada in Connor Hellebuck. Um, but again, right, like I, I didn't put that much stock into what, how I ranked the goalies because goaltending is voodoo, right? Like we experienced it here in Toronto with Freddie Anderson had two or three fantastic seasons in the regular season. And this year he was, he was crap, right? So, and, and we, and we do know that Connor Hellebuck has had experiences of being kind of like on again, off again, uh, year by year. So the, um, to me, just because of the fact that goaltending is kind of voodoo, I, I put, had Winnipeg at six. Um, just because I, it, it's re- it's re- this ranking is really pending on what they get for Patrick Leinig. I do think they're going to trade him. Um, and you know what? Like it, It's just a shame because he, he, he's just... I don't see Winnipeg winning a trade that they make for Patrick Leinig. 
they're giving up the best player in the deal, and you know that the team that trades for Line is going to get a motivated player, um, and you just know that he's going to go and he's going to rip home 50 for fun, right? Like, he he's that type of goal scorer. So, um, like, I personally don't like Line's complete game, so if they can – if Winnipeg can get – um, a top, a top right-handed shooting defenseman to pair with Morrissey, kind of like how they had that pairing with Truba uh, back when they went to the conference final. Like then, yeah, then we can reevaluate at that time. But uh, right now, I think the way that it stands, Winnipeg will, or sorry, does have this, the sixth weakest roster for me. Then I'll move on to Vancouver, um, and to me. It's just a, it really is a shame because I think they have two of the most dynamic players uh, in the, in the, uh, in the country in Pedersen and, uh, and Quinn Hughes. Right. So like, I think if you're ranking the player, if you're ranking forwards in Canada, um, you got the two in Edmonton, you got Matthews um, and you could put Pedersen beside like uh, in the conversation behind with Marner or uh, and like for those to round out that top five, right? Like Pedersen is that good. Um, and so that, so that's kind of star power is what kind of gave Vancouver the edge for me to put them at five over Winnipeg. Um, they got depleted for sure uh, in terms of not being able to keep some players into Foley and uh, to Foley. They lost who else? Tanev, they lost, they Tanev. lost Tanev, they lost Markstrom, right? So, but they got a good stopgap in Holtby to kind of create a pretty good tandem with Demko, right? I think that's what's lost get here. People are saying that Vancouver lost their start, their MVP goalie, yeah, but like Demko is a highly touted prospect, guys. Like, I think he's going to be just fine there, taking over number one duties in Vancouver. Um, there's a reason why Vancouver let Markstrom go is because they knew that they had Demko, so. And they're probably they might they're they're gonna have to expose Holt, uh, Holtby in the expansion draft. They'll protect Demko, and Vancouver will just be uh well, they'll be just fine in that uh, going forward. So the thing for me with Vancouver that they're gonna struggle is is that bottom six gonna be able to repeat what they were able to do in the playoffs? Right? They had guys like Tyler Moss step up. Antoine Roussel was a pest, and he was. Uh, like it or not a factor in these playoffs when they beat the blues. So, so there's going to be a lot of, of, of what ifs in that bottom six, they get Nate Schmidt to pair with Quinn Hughes. I think that's one of the best pairings in the country, but at the same time, not a big fan of the Tyler Myers, uh, Alexander Edler, uh, second pair there that's old and that's slow to me. So, um, I think you'll have to be able to just, if you're a Vancouver fan, you're relying on Travis Green to get the most out of these guys uh, another time around. Uh, and they did get some playoff experience, right, for those young guys. Like, we, we as much as we want to say it, right, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, JT Miller, that core went one around. And, and to bring it back to the Leafs for a second, our, our, our core hasn't yet. So there must be something there in Vancouver that, that might not uh, – be uh, apparent to the naked eye so so i'm i'm banking on that experience uh at least carrying them to a playoff spot i would say this year uh in a weaker pacific division 
Um, and uh, that brings me to number four. Um, and I won't talk too much about it because we already went very in-depth with this team. But it's Montreal for me. Look, a lot of depth. Their, their right side is very strong. I, I really love Nick Suzuki. Um, I'm not really sold. I'm not really sold on Kakaniemi, but at the same time, right? Like, I don't know what they're gonna do with Philip Deneau. Um, I believe that he was, he was uh, asking for a trade. So, um, we're not sure there. But look, until until Montreal can get guys on their roster that are guaranteed to score thirty plus goals a year. Then uh, I'm I'm I just can't see him competing in an Atlantic Division um, that that has just too much star power, right? So so that that's where I am at with Montreal. Um, I like their I like their new uh, Russian defenseman that's coming in in Alexander Romanov, but other than that, to me, I, like the 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 defense just lacks puck moving ability in my opinion. Um, like Weber and Petrie, they, they had good playoff stints guys, but I'm not going to put too much, uh, stake in the playoffs this past year. Like guys came in fresh. They didn't come off the grind of a season. They had four months to prepare for this, for, for that playoff. Right. So it, I I think it did benefit the more mature, slower, uh, slower, uh, skating players because they were fresh, right. They had time to mend injuries. So I just think that the 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 younger and faster teams will benefit uh, this year because it's going to be a very much more compact schedule. Um, depth will be a factor, but like I I just don't know how a guy like Shea Weber can play the way he did in the bubble um, over the course of like let's say a forty eight game season from February to June, right? Yep. Plus playoffs. So so that's that's another thing for me, and then. Um, that brings me to number three, two and three again, very tight. Um, I, I'll I'll go three Calgary because, and, and this is very hard for me because Calgary's defense is the core in total is the best in the country um, by far, in my opinion. Um, I don't think anybody can hold a candle to to Calgary's defense core. Now I know Giordano's an older guy, um, so you're banking on him on him kind of staying at a, at a decent pace. Like he's one year removed from winning the Norris. So who knows? But like Lucas said, Rasmus Anderson is an absolute stud. Um, and they also have a, an, another defenseman that they drafted, I believe three years ago. And uh, Yusuf Alamaki, he was injured all of last year, but the flames are insanely high on this guy. Um, and they bring in Mark, Gier- uh, or sorry, uh, Jacob Markstrom, uh, to finally give him a one a, a 1A goalie like a, a starting a, a star goalie so again I'm not gonna put too much stock in in the way mark in markstrom's resume let's say just because I think in any given year like a goalie can get injured a goalie can can just like just have a bad save percentage right so we've seen the randomness of goaltending performance in the past so um for me it's gonna it's gonna leave Calgary at three and that gave Edmonton the edge at number two. Now, um, funny enough, I think Edmonton's goalies are the worst in situ- that their goaltending situation is the worst in the country, but I really like what they've, how their decor has developed. 
like Darnell Nurse, Ethan Bear, that is a very, very solid first pair. Caleb Jones has developed well. Um, Adam Larson, um, like it or not, is is just a stable body back there that that's gonna that can play tough minutes for you. And and he's he's kind of exactly what that young those younger uh, Edmonton defensemen need. Um, now I think the X factor for Edmonton is is uh, Evan Bouchard. Uh, they're they're top. I think he was tenth overall, maybe in twenty eighteen. Uh, don't quote me on that, but he was a a, a high drafted prospect to uh, out of London, and I think he's a, he's going to be a stud too, right? Like I think his skating needs to improve a lot, but he's a solid puck mover. He's big. He's rangy, and he's gonna he's gonna play big minutes for for Edmonton down the line. Hopefully, it's this year. They also have another guy in Philip Broberg who is playing for them in the bubble. He's going to play for for Edmonton this year as well. So, the Edmonton just has a they've acquired these they've kept acquiring these pieces on defense that I think are going to play a really big role for them and hopefully alleviate some of the pressure off a of Koskinen and a Mike Smith in net. And then again, guys like the the forward group speaks for itself. I, I don't even need to like they have the. Uh, I'll say Matthews is better than Drysaddle, but that like when McDavid and Drysaddle are on the ice together, like there there's no two players in in the country that that are more dangerous together. I, I would say, so I I just think that Edmonton is it, it, it they they're gonna be good again. I think they have a shot of finishing top two in a Pacific Division. Jesse Pugliarvi is coming back. He's rejuvenated, coming back from Finland. Um, it should. It's where he should have been right after he was drafted. Puliarvi should never have been in North America after his draft year. Um, so that's on the Oilers. But now that they finally come to terms with him, I think that he will definitely be a much needed scoring threat in that top six. Uh, Yamamoto has shown uh, signs of of top six ability. They still got Nugent Hopkins. Um, Kyle Turris is a good acquisition for a bottom six center role. Um, James Neal can give you secondary power play. And like it or not, guys, uh, I forgot to mention when I was talking about the defense, but Tyson Berry um, could very well be resurging in Edmonton if he's passing the puck to 97 and 29. Um, So overall, I think Edmonton has improved for sure. Um, And I I just think that, that eventually, like we see it, guys, these star players, eventually McDavid and Dreisler are just going to drag this team somewhere. They just are. And and I'll, I, I will not be betting against those two guys anytime soon. So that's where I'll have them at number two. And that leaves me at number one um, with Toronto. Um, I just think that Toronto is the best, round, more well-rounded team in the country. Um, they have a great mix of star players. Um some very good physical depth that add a different element to the top six. And then you also have um, a goaltender who is playing for a contract next year, Freddie Anderson. And then you also have uh, Jack Campbell that can alleviate that pressure off of Freddie Anderson. And, and hopefully Freddie won't have to play so many games next year in short order. So, like like we said, we talk about the Leafs every podcast, so I won't go too in depth in this team. But I just think that overall, they 
they they can they find a perfect mix of improving the defense, um, improve their forward depth without spending too much money, and um, they now have uh, some solid answers in the backup goalie position. So overall, that would be my ranking. Um, interested to hear your thoughts, Pat, on your ranking now. Yeah, so I kind of went a little bit differently. Um, I, for me, I've always been one. I, I really do believe um, in like the rookie curse in the in the sophomore year. Um, so I'm going to lead. Obviously, you know the consensus number seven is Ottawa Senators, and that's not a critique for what they did. It's not a critique on the talent that's currently in their system. It's just an age factor. They have so much youth everywhere. Um, but I like, I, I've always liked DJ Smith. I've been a big proponent of DJ Smith. I followed him as the coach of the Oshawa Generals when, you know, he took a team that, you know, was, you know, no one really thought could win a Memorial Cup. It took them right to, you know, they beat Connor McDavid and the Barry Colts and they went on to win the Memorial Cup. So he is a coach that is very talented. He is a coach that players will play for. And that's what we saw last year from the Ottawa Senators. Um, you, to beat them, you had to outwork them. You know, you might be, you might have them beat talent-wise, but they were going to fight for every puck. Um, they were going to fight in every corner. Um, so I, I like where Ottawa's going, but at this point, I am going to leave them at number seven. Um, my number six, um, I'm going to be a little bit harder um, on the Canucks. I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression. Um, and I, once again, I think it just speaks to age again. Um, with the Vancouver, a lot of their key players are going into their second year. Um, last year with COVID, I, I think some players took a hit on their production. Others seem to have benefited from it. And I, I, I love the Cinderella story that the Vancouver Canucks were in this COVID playoffs. But I, I just see a little bit of regression with the loss of, of a Markstrom, um, you know, losing Tanev on defense. Um, and I just, I just, I, I, I like the addition of Nate Smith. I think he does fit and fill a hole. But I just, I, I just don't see it over the course of a, of a grinded out, um, abbreviated season. Uh, so I have Vancouver Canucks as my number six. As my number five, I have Winnipeg Jets for all the reasons that you guys mentioned. I'm looking at a defense that has two NHL-ready defensemen and everyone else, I have no idea who they are. Um, I also see a team that might be having some issues. Funny enough, we discussed this in our last podcast that the Leafs might be having issues in the dressing room. When I see a team that's willing to trade away a player that can score 50 goals, that speaks to something in that room. I'm not putting it online. A, I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't I think. It, I think it does speak to the player, Pat. It, 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 it could. Because there's a lot. There's some strong leadership in that room. There's definitely Blake, some strong Blake leadership. Wheeler, with, with Blake Mark Wheeler, Mike, Mark Shifley. So, you know, it might just be that individual player. But, I, but you know, the fact that they were willing to bring back Paul Stastny to kind of get um, Lane going again potentially. It's just I don't know how they can start a season with Lane back in that dressing room, given everything that we've heard, all the potential trades and, and all this stuff. So I'm gonna be a little bit more um, harder on them because I don't know what they're gonna look like. I just I just I don't. Um, I think I, I like their goaltending, but when you're when you're playing behind essentially four AHL defensemen. It's going to be a rough. It's going to be a rough go, especially in the Western Conference. There's so much talent. Um, there's just so much fight. Um, so many teams making, you know, the next step. You see Vegas making a huge step. Um, St. Louis is going to be up there. I, I personally like Edmonton. 
Uh, you, like I said, you know, you can't count a team that has the best player in the world on their team. I just don't see it with the Jets. Um, after the Jets, I have the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, once again, I like what they did this summer. Um, I like the fact that they had to spend some additional cap dollars. I like where they drafted. I've been a huge Nick Suzuki fan. I like where his career is going. Um, but I definitely think that when you can't score goals, and I said this right off the top of the podcast, when you struggle to score goals in the NHL, especially in the regular season, you're going to have more difficult nights than easy ones. Um, so I'm going to be a little bit harder on the Montreal Canadiens. Um, then that leaves me with... Uh, the uh, the Calgary Flames is my next team. Hopefully I didn't miss anyone because I'm getting kind of no, uh, excited about this. Uh, so I had the Calgary Flames as my next team. I've always liked Calgary. I like Johnny Hockey. I like what they've done with their defense. Picking up Markstrom is a huge plus. Um, and they're a veteran team. You know, I, I, I think that there's a lot to be said about experience and losing and going through that. And, you know, I, I definitely think at some point Calgary's going to break through. And in a, essentially a conference like the West, Calgary's definitely very, very much set up uh, to succeed. And then I have Lee's as my number one. Um, for all the complaints and all the critiques and all the stuff we've heard by all the media pundits, the Leafs went out and, and rounded out every aspect of their roster. They, you know, we asked them to add depth. We've added depth. You know, we're, fans were complaining last week about a fourth-string goalie. That's where we're at in Toronto right now. When we're oh, complaining yeah. Michael about Michael Hutchinson, Hutchinson, Michael Hutchinson, Michael Hutchinson falling in behind. How do we let know, that and, news uh, get through? How do we let? That? You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, it's. I don't know. And then you know, you it, add it's the insurance. Fi- it's, that's it is. It's just, it's just I insurance. Don't see him. I don't want to see him in a Leafs jersey ever again. But no, but the, that's but just an it, emotional scar. But the but the also thing too is I think that you know Aaron Dell's going to have to clear waivers. That's yeah, a that, risk. That, that was weird for me actually. Now that you mentioned that, I did. I was kind of hoping that they got him on a two way, but I didn't even. I guess I didn't even pay attention. Yeah, I guess the, so. If so for him to go down, I think it's based on like. Um, isn't it based on um, experience? I that's think what it, makes him. I think it is. They're going to have to. So I what I've read since the Hutchinson signing is. They're gonna try and sneak Dell in on down on waivers, yeah. On, on a day where where maybe a few other goalies are go, are going in, or yeah, I, I'm not sure of exactly of the particulars, but you you need to try and sneak him in on a day that that no everyone else is looking elsewhere, right? Because yeah, you would argue like I've went through it and I've I've read some tweets about this is that Dell is probably the best third string goalie. In the NHL, that's what people are saying. Like he's by far the most experienced third string goalie that any NHL yeah. team has, and he's signed to like a decent ticket. Yeah, a really um, good deal. Hundred thousand, I believe. So, so the Leafs are gonna have uh, well, it's gonna be probably Brandon Pridham, but they're gonna have to find a way to to get him through. I hope they get him through. Um, and and the reason why is I is is I just think that. Th- that team has lost a lot of confidence in in Michael Hutchinson and, um, like the, like I said earlier, right, emotional scars. So, so I I think it's just a good insurance policy. Like it's it's tidy work by Dubis for sure. Yep. But um, but yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, like how can we? We're no, literally we we're, be we're, up in arms over the fourth string goalie. We're literally arguing over the fourth string goalie. So, and then that also takes me to like um. 
the signing of uh, Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton, which I think from um, from a flexibility perspective gives the Leafs a dynamic that they never had. So yes, they might be, and they probably are a little bit slower than last year. But weren't we, as a market and as a city, complaining that the Leafs had too many of the same player? So I like the fact that we've changed a little bit of the dynamic. Um, I'm more than accepting that we're not getting Joe Thornton from five, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, but I like what he brings. I like the fact that now the Leafs have can essentially roll out two power plays and still be fairly lethal on the second one. Because I thought when you looked at the power plays last year, the Leafs were one-dimensional. If that first power play didn't score, teams weren't really defending the, the Leafs' second power play. Like, who was on it? Like, Hyman, probably the yeah, biggest that's, threat. Uh, happening. Right? I think like, they had Makayev on there. It, it, yeah, it was a gong it, show. It, it, it just, yeah, it was a gong show. Where I think with Joe Thornton, it really settles down that second power play. You can put Spezza, you can put Makayev, you can put Hyman. You know, it does give the Leafs a lot more flexibility on that second power play. Um, and I, I like the bar ban of signing. I like the Miko Lettinen signing. I think that those two guys, you know, we're going to look back and see that those were pretty big steals. I know a lot of teams were scouting them. A lot of teams wanted them. Um, so, you know, those are going to be very, you know, those are going to be my sleeper picks to really have an impact on the roster because they didn't come here without the least promising them that they were going to make at least the opening day roster. So, you know, I, I like where the Leafs are going, so I really had them ranked high amongst all the Canadian teams at number one. Yeah, so, uh, uh, I think that overall, like, we, it, it's, it's very hard to argue. Like, just to bring it back to the button thing, like, it, 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 it's pretty, like, ludicrous that, and, and, and him having Toronto at five kind of tells the story of where he's coming from, is that when everyone from from an analytics perspective, everyone with an, an eye test perspective, everyone who follows the game of hockey, no one's ranking the Leafs like below three in their Canadian rankings. And he has them. It's fifth, right? Like I, I'm pretty sure it's, he had him fifth, fifth or fourth, fourth or fifth, fourth, fourth. Sorry. So he's yeah. ha- he has him fourth. Like to me, it just, you just kind of know that he, it, it's a very clickbaity take. So, so yeah, overall, like, I think we just proved it, proved him, uh, or proved our point quite well. That they, they, you can't, you really can't make an argument for the least to be below three, uh, in in any sense of the matter, really. No, no, and I and I and and too like, and I know you know we lightly touched on this before you know we came on air, but like we don't know is there going to be an all Canadian division because like, that just really strengthens. The Leafs. Now, now that you mention that, yeah, that would that would right like that just really that would benefit the Leafs beyond. But even too like if they even if they go back to the traditional divisions, Boston, and we'll have you know our friend Mark from the Black and Gold podcast on next week. Um, but you know Boston really didn't improve, and they're getting older. Tampa, yeah, they won their cup. You know they're going to be an obvious threat in the division. But everything else is up for grabs. Like, can the Maple Leafs now finally surpass the Boston Bruins and become number two? In- yeah, you're right. So, 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 yeah, you're right, Pat. Like, to me, it, I think the Leafs are going to benefit from what their peers have done in in any matter, really. Um, whether it's they're in a Canadian division or whether it's a uh, 
in the traditional Atlantic division. Um, if we're looking at the Atlantic division, like I still think Detroit's going to struggle. I still think Buffalo's going to struggle. I still think Ottawa's going to struggle. That's three teams out of the eight right there. Florida, like Bobrovsky's a huge X factor there. Like you could probably argue that like Florida could be a top four team, right? You got Montreal still. Like it, it's just a Canadian division would help the Leafs a lot because because the Pacific teams in and by Pacific I mean Vancouver, Edmonton, uh, and Calgary are and even Winnipeg for that matter are much weaker than Tampa, Boston, uh, and Florida for that matter. Right, so you're kind of subbing three teams where each every game you play them, it's a it's a battle to to now like okay, Leafs should win this game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so it it, it does change the perspective a lot. I think what the NHL is going to try and do is they're going to try and they're going to start uh, in a Canadian division, uh, and then it's going to they're hoping to kind of get back to normal and end in all 31 markets. Um, because yeah, I just think there's too much money at stake. So like we're seeing the NFL do it right now. We saw baseball get through it. Um, as many, uh, valleys that baseball did have to go through and they definitely landed on their face, uh, towards the end of the season with that Justin Turner situation. But, um, like, yeah, I, I just think that the NHL is definitely going to find a way to, to get this done in a normal sense. And they're going to try and get it done before the summer. Uh, before we get into the middle of summer, right? So uh, I'm not panicking right now um, because a lot smarter people are looking at this than, than us for sure. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that we, we get hockey soon. I'll be looking forward to the World Juniors. I know you and Lucas as well. Um, that's probably going to be the, the highest level of hockey we're going to see for the better part of six months at the time. So that should be some really good stuff and there's going to be a lot of leaf prospects there. So that's, that's actually something to keep in mind too, as we wrap up here. Most definitely. So I guess for final thoughts, I'll throw it to Lucas first, Lucas, you know, kind of, you know, provide your final thoughts on these rankings and kind of what you thought on the other, you know, on Anthony's and mine sort of uh, rankings. And I'd, I'd like to kind of get your final thoughts. Uh, honestly, I don't think there's anything that was left unsaid between the three of us to be honest with you i think we all hit the uh the head right on the nail there and uh, to be honest with you uh, as anthony said you got to take everything i guess you would say with a grain of salt no one actually knows how it's going to pan out this is this is kind of based off opinion at this point um i think all three of us are actually relatively similar i think we all have a, a very close take and and who the best and who the worst would be um Greg Button, that was funny. It was a good read. It gave us something to talk about, so I appreciate that. Hopefully, he has a couple more crazy takes <laughs> so we have more stuff to talk about later on in the offseason. But um, other than that, no, Anthony's right. World Juniors coming up. Can't wait to watch that. And I got to go watch my Giants lose to the Bucks on Monday night. Excellent. And, Anthony, <laughs> any final thoughts for yourself before we, I wrap up the, today's podcast? No, no. Um, yeah, I'll just uh... – I'm just going to be following all the other sports uh, this week. Nothing else going on for me. I'll just, uh, I'm looking forward to the next podcast. Uh, we have some good guests coming up, so that should be fun. Most definitely, most definitely. So, you know, Anthony kind of alluded to it, so I'll kind of throw it out there. Uh, look out uh, for the following podcast. We're going to have uh, Mark from the Black and Gold Boston Bruins podcast come on and join us. Um, as you look at, you know, how both teams now 
compare to one another for many years. The Leafs are, you know, tied to the Bruins. So it'd be interesting to kind of get Mark's take um, from a Bruins perspective on what he thinks of the Leafs and what he thinks of how the Bruins shaped up. And we do have two additional special guests who will, you know, we'll share shortly on all our social media. Um, if you haven't yet, head to manscaped.com. Use the promo code CLN Nation for 20% off on all their products. And thank you all again for listening and uh, look forward to many more conversations. 